0: Hey everyone, it's Hamish from the Young Investors Podcast. Myself and Brandon are excited to bring you your weekly rundown of the latest business and investing news from around the world. A quick reminder before we get started, any advice provided by Brandon is general and does not consider your financial situation, needs or objectives, so consider whether it's appropriate for you. Brandon van der Kolk is authorized to provide general financial product advice in Australia and is authorized representative number 1305795 of Guideway Financial Services Proprietary Limited. AFSL number 420367. Please see the description box for Brandon's financial services guide. Past performance is not a reliable indication of future investment returns. But with that said, let's get into another episode of the Young Investors Podcast.
1: All right, guys, welcome back to yet another episode of the Young Investors Podcast. (laughs) We are continuing our charge into 2023. Hamish Hodder, how are you going, mate? I'm doing fantastic. 2023? I'm one year behind. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Twenty twenty four. Sorry, back, my bad.
0: Back into the past. Yeah. No, I'm doing. Yeah, yeah I'm. Uh, I'm excited. Hopefully. uh Hopefully, the the finance world blesses us with some uh, interesting and exciting uh, new stories throughout the year, so that we can cover them. Yeah. Um. And that's exactly what we're doing today. So, uh, as we spoke
1: about in the last uh, podcast, we are doing things slightly differently in two thousand and twenty four. We're going to have hopefully a couple of episodes per week, shorter episodes. We did our 2024 uh, stock market predictions, which was uh, interesting to say the <laughs> to say the least. <laughs> um, and in this episode, we are going to go through the news. Mm-hmm. So, Hamish.
0: With that do you have said, anything to add or should we just get stru- stuck straight into let's it? Let's get straight into it. Uh, this episode is sponsored by ShareSide. So ShareSide is an application you can use to track the performance of your stock portfolio. Uh, and it's really good for keeping track of all of the different types of gains in your portfolio. So capital gains, dividends. If you have dividend reinvestment plans, it will do those calculations for you, which is a lifesaver currency gains if you're buying shares internationally or you hold foreign currencies. Uh, And then you can also use ShareSite when it comes to tax time. So, ShareSite generates up to 12 different reports that can be used uh, at tax time to work out things such as capital gains, dividend income, and more. Uh, At the moment, you can try ShareSite for free by heading over to sharesite.com forward slash younginvestors. That's site spelled S-I-G-H-T, sharesite.com forward slash younginvestors. Uh, So, use that link, sign up to a free plan, or if you want to sign up to a paid plan, you'll get four months off an annual subscription. So, uh, go check it out if you're interested. And as always, thank you to everyone who has signed up uh, and is supporting the podcast.
1: Mm. Indeed. I feel, It feels a little bit weird just getting straight into it. Usually we're sitting straight back in. or we have a bit of banter for 10 minutes yeah. or so. And No time. time. hurry cut, up, cut
0: the what, crap. What's the first story? Hurry sorry. sorry
1: <laughs> All right. Well, guess what, everybody? Uh, now, nah, where, where do you want to start today? Well, uh, we're talking about Saudi Arabia yep. and their mineral resources. Uh, We're talking about shipping rates uh, going up because Mm -hmm. of the Houthi attacks continuing, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're talking about a couple of ETF stories, Bitcoin ETF, and also uh, how you would have fared... What's your story? How you would have fared um, uh, versus the fund managers. Correct. Yep. Uh, And then we've also got a little bit uh, about Twitch as well, laying off some stuff. So Mm -hmm. where do you want to start, Hamish? You tell me.
0: uh, Let's start at the top. Let's uh, let's start at the top. Work our way down.
1: Yeah this this one i found really interesting so this this story the headline is Saudi Arabia nearly doubles estimate for the value of its mineral resources and that headline i was like hang on this is the whole country like this is whole the whole of Saudi Arabia and then all mm. of a sudden they've just popped up and been like i read this headline it's like they just double the estimate can like, you imagine like mohammed bin salman or something being like hey yeah what what you've got there just go Times, you know the multiply, yep,
0: by... Yeah, cool. Okay, so, someone needs to be fired. Either the guy who made the last valuation or the guy who made the current value. One of them's wrong. One of them's wrong.
1: I wonder. Well, I wonder when the last one was done because it, it's. I mean, to have it nearly doubling in the value of your resources, yeah. it seems bonkers. Anyway, let me tell you about it, Hamish. Mm-hmm. Um, Saudi Arabia nearly doubled the estimate for the value of its mineral resources and is seeing lucrative deals signed during its future minerals forum held in Riyadh this week. Ministers told CNBC. Estimates for the kingdom's untapped mineral resources have jumped from 1.3 trillion in a 2016 forecast to 2.5 trillion, according to Saudi Mineral Resources and Industry Minister, uh, watch me butcher this, Bandar Al Khourayef. How'd I go, Hamish? It's probably pretty close. (laughs) (laughs) I hope it's. I apologize if I mispronounce that. The resources include gold, copper, phosphate and rare earth elements, offering new sources of subterranean wealth on top of Saudi Arabia's mammoth oil reserves. Mm. Quote, we believe today that our reserves potential have grown by 90%, Mining Minister Bandar Al-Khoreyev told Reuters in an interview.
0: I do 't know do you buy it hamish do you buy it uh is that, is that supposed to be a pun do you buy it um do you buy it <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh i don't know i, I mean uh, I don't know how do they calculate this uh i don't know I can't say I know all that much about uh about the minerals industry let alone um you know uh, uh yeah. the the middle east well this and, is yeah. Yeah, I can tell you uh, the the quote here from
1: uh, from the minister is this increase of 1.2 trillion is a combination of more of what we have. So they've been they've been doing geological surveys, um, uh, so they've got more of what we have like phosphate and new uh, and new resources like rare earths, and also a reevaluation of commodities pricing. Right. Okay. So it's kind of the the th- the three elements, but I mean, it all it is still all generated by Saudi Arabia. I mean, Saudi Arabia is <laughs> not going to come out and say, you know, we're actually downgrading what we think <laughs> about our minerals is worth. You're never going to get that, are you? Yeah, no, no, not at all. Yeah, yeah. it is crazy but, though. Um, Two
0: point five trillion dollars. Whoa. Yeah, they've uh, yeah. they've got so to, yeah.
1: uh, they do yes yeah, so they've been spending yep yeah, i said that already they've been spending a lot of money on geological surveying which has clearly found more resource deposits saudi arabia also plans <clears throat> to award over 30 mining exploration licenses to international investors this year so more international mining companies will be coming in i would imagine Uh, The concerted effort to invest in minerals exploration and mining and issue licenses to foreign investors is a part of Saudi Arabia's Vision 2030 program, which is a multi-trillion dollar initiative launched by Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman to diversify the kingdom's economy away from oil, attract foreign investment, and provide more jobs for its burgeoning youth population. Mm -hmm. Mining is seen... Uh, By the Saudi government as the third industrial pillar that will move its economy away from reliance on hydrocarbons. So they're talking about like tourism versus mining, and the the way they're kind of thinking about it is tourism is very much an immediate flashbang, come give us money. Whereas mining they see is very important, but a longer term, maybe slightly you know less profitable right now, but a longer term pillar that they're working on. So. Well, that was quite interesting.
0: That makes sense. Yeah. Is uh, is tourism one of their other? Was, what? What are the other industrial? What are the third industrial pillars? They got the oil. Actually, I don't. I don't what, know. What I can't
1: remember there? reading that in the in the um, in the article. Okay. Hold that thought. We'll move on, and I'll
0: see if I can find it. All right. Well, Hamish, what what have you got to talk about? Yes, I found uh, I found an interesting uh, survey from the Wall Street Journal that took a look. T- it was taking a look at the performance of uh, invest- US investment funds in uh, 2023, which is always kind of funny to look at because of course, um, you know, people obviously have the choice between uh, choosing to invest with an active manager, a fund that's run by an active manager and is trying to, you know, outperform the market or provide stability in the portfolio or something like that. Or you could just buy an ETF. Um, and, uh, and it's always interesting to see kind of how those have compared. Uh, so mm. in 2023, of course, we spoke, uh well we haven't spoken about it actually today but uh, uh the ETF of the S&P 500 would have earned a total return of 26%. Um so you could have done absolutely nothing uh and earned a 20 a 26% return uh in uh 2023. So just on a side that's absolutely crazy. That is it's that is <laughs> 26% yeah.
1: in a year from an ETF. Holy smokes.
0: Yeah. Yeah it's, it's it's not been a bad year to just be a passive investor. Um, yeah. It's uh that's it's it's a pretty significant increase in your net worth if you have a good chunk of it uh, you know continually investing in, in an ETF. Um but how do they mm-hmm. compare to the fund managers? Um you know they're professional investors of course they they would have done significantly better than that, right? Um oh,
1: right? the
0: professionals would have of course they're professionals yeah. I, mean, I mean
1: it's you, it's it's their one and only job yep. to manage other people's money and other people's investments <laughs> and perform better than what the average Joe can do by investing in an ETF. Yep, exactly. Am I wrong? No, no, you're not. That's their
0: job, right? Yep, you're not wrong at all. Uh, So the Wall Street Journal did a survey of 1,191 investment funds in the US. It was a survey of actively managed US funds with more than $50 million in assets under management and a track record of at least three years. Uh, They excluded leveraged funds, so no using leverage, no indexes, Mm. and no sector-focused funds, so a sector fund focused on like renewable energy or something, for example, Mm -hmm. Um, and it also excluded most, uh, quantitative funds, so most quant funds. Um, so that was kind of their survey, the S and P, as I said, up 26%. Um, it was actually mostly driven, uh, by seven companies that have now been coined the magnificent seven. So Amazon, Nvidia, Tesla, Microsoft, Google, Meta, and Apple, uh, without those seven companies, the S and P would have been up 9.9%, which is still a very good year, uh, yeah. but more than half of the gains uh, in 2023 were driven uh, by seven companies that all have uh, kind of AI-related projects or are seemingly going to benefit in some way from from um, some kind of new technology boom.
1: It's pretty insane when you think about it. There's, five, there's obviously 500 companies in the S&P 500, and of the total increase of the 500, 60% of that increase came from just seven. Yeah. Just seven of them. Yeah. That's... Mind-blowing. It shows you how much, like, how top-heavy that S&P 500, it's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. Um, anyway, So, sorry,
0: it should be no surprise that the investment funds that did best uh, were mostly funds that had a large-cap growth stock strategy. So, they mostly had big companies that uh, had a focus mm-hmm. on growth, yeah. like the Magnificent Seven, for example. Uh, nine out of the top ten performers were in Morningstar's large-cap growth category. So, that should be absolutely no surprise, given how the year... Uh, panned out. All right. So let's look at some stats from the year for investment firms. A thousand of the 1,191 firms uh, surveyed returned more than 10%. Um, So most of the funds did double digit returns, um, which is obviously good. That's actually all right. Uh, The average return was 19.7%. So uh, an underperformance of 6.5% percentage points than the uh, that's ETF. That's not so good. Yeah. So the average a- average of these funds, not too good. Uh, and I my presumption is this is before fees as well. So um, mm. yeah, that's something co- okay. to kind of consider. Only four firms surveyed were negative in 2023. Um, so wow. I don't know who they were, but... Um, they sucked. <laughs> yeah. They, they're not good. <laughs> no uh, <laughs> I don't know who they are, but don't invest with them. No. Uh, <laughs> uh, the winner was a, a firm, a uh, fund called Virtus Zevenbergen, Zevenber- Zevenbergen? Uh, Innovation Growth Stock Fund. They were up 65.2% in 2023, although it was after a negative 55 in 2022 Ooh. and a negative 10% in 2021. So um, they are up, but if you'd been investing with them for a couple of years, you're not doing too hot, um, nah. No, uh, no. So uh, they've they've turned
1: your hundred bucks into one dollar, and now they've just turned the one dollar <laughs> into two dollars. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Gold medal. <laughs> well, it's amazing. Yeah. We've doubled your money.
0: Yeah, yeah. They probably so they'll probably funny. get an influx of clients as well this year from the great performance. Um,
1: <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah, I, actually, though.
0: Yeah. Uh, so funny, isn't it, Hamish? It's ridiculous. Um, uh, Virtus held five of the Magnificent Seven stocks. So that's all, no surprise there. Tesla was the fund's biggest position, seven point seven percent of the assets. Uh, other big portfolio winners was uh, Mercado Libre, which is a, a Latin American e-commerce giant, up eighty-six percent, and Shopify up one hundred and twenty-four percent. In yeah, second right. place, Value Line Larger Companies focused fund. It's uh, a bit of a mouthful. They held all seven of the Magnificent Seven. Company. So again, there's a bit of a trend here. If you ha- if you yeah. if you held the Magnificent Seven companies, you did pretty well. Um, so that's kind of a uh, yeah, n- no surprise there. They were up fifty nine percent in twenty twenty three. So another obviously very very good year. The only fund in the top ten that wasn't uh, large cap focused was Morgan Stanley's Inception portfolio. This is a small cap portfolio, and they were up fifty four percent in twenty twenty three. So f- in fifth place. Uh, despite the small cap index only rising seventeen percent, so um, that's a kind of an interesting one. But that's the only fund in the top ten that wasn't focused on large cap companies. Uh, hmm. So there you go. Um, but there you go. All in all, um, based on the average, uh, they return, underperformed. Yeah, but all in all, yeah. I wish they had some stats on um, on yeah specifically, kind of how many. <clears throat> excuse me, how many underperformed. Um, but uh, mm. we don't we don't get those uh, details, unfortunately.
1: Yeah, honestly, if there's one bet that I would be happy making, I'm not a betting man, but if there's one bet that I'd be happy making, it's that the vast majority of actively managed funds will underperform the stock market. Yep. Yep, that is one thing that I would happily bet on any day of the week. Yeah.
0: Yeah, we should put that in the predictions.
1: <laughs> hey, there we go. <laughs> all right. Um. All right. Well, should we move on?
0: Yeah. What if you? Okay.
1: Got? Let's talk about this. Um. This Red Sea crisis, unfortunately, it is continuing. Um, the headline is: Global shipping rates set to jump as carriers avoid the Red Sea amid Houthi attacks. Uh, so the global supply chain is feeling the fallout from Iran-backed uh, Houthi rebels attacking vessels in the Red Sea. Freight prices are set to jump on Monday, while longer transit times around Africa are disrupting and delaying deliveries of products. This is ex- this is what we we're talking about in the mm. last was it the last episode. Well, second last episode of last year, because yeah. was, it was just happening at the time. But essentially, these Houthi rebels, they are blocking up the Red Sea, um, which is a very important part of the shipping lane from the Mediterranean through the Suez Canal into the Red Sea. And the reason it's so important is it connects, it is the shipping lane between Europe and Asia. And right. if that is blockaded or it's blocked up, it's not working then all the boats from asia have to go around the bottom of africa to get up to uh europe so it's much less uh much less efficient that's what we saw that was why it was such a problem when that shipping boat got stuck sideways in the suez canal for, because that's right. it was just yeah yeah it's just such an important shipping lane yeah um so unfortunately there's a lot of houthi rebels uh operating in the red sea which are trying to hijack uh cargo ships yeah so uh, so, yeah, a lot of the cargo ships uh, are now being halted and, or, or being redirected around the bottom of Africa. Mm. Uh, it says here, quote, the rerouting of vessels is leading to longer transit times and increased costs, John Gold, Vice President of Supply Chain at the National Retail Federation, told CNBC. Quote, unfortunately, the longer the disruptions occur, the more challenges will arise in ensuring supply chain reliability and efficiency. This creates uh, strong motivations for ocean carriers to increase rates by establishing general rate increases, or GRIs, uh, uh, peak, se- uh, peak season surcharges, PSSs, and other contingency or emergency surcharges, the company said. Uh, they warned trans-Pacific freight rates could spike to highs not seen since early 2022, with the Suez Canal route suspended and the Panama Canal route restricted. Right. So MSC, the largest ocean carrier in the world, um, was the first shipping company to release rates for the second half of January. So starting Monday, container rates for MSC clients will be five thousand dollars for US West Coast routes, six thousand nine hundred dollars for East Coast, and seven thousand three hundred dollars for routes to the Gulf of Mexico. Right. The quote is: "This is uh, this is really an unexpectedly huge rate increase." (laughs) HLS wrote. (laughs) Uh, so interestingly, under the U.S. Shipping Act, all ocean carriers have to give a thirty-day notice requirement before they can impose surcharges right. uh, or rate hikes. But the Federal Maritime Commission has waived this for shipments from Asia to the U.S. being rerouted around South Africa's Cape of Good Hope. Right. Interesting.
0: Yeah. It's um. I think, and I'm, you you would probably imagine that some of these costs will eventually just be passed through to to consumers and. I think it just mm. speaks to why you know things like inflation are just so hard to predict. Like, there's no way you could possibly predict something like this happening, or when it's something like this will happen. Maybe you could say you know the 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 environment says that something like this could happen at some point, but um, things like supply bottlenecks, which can or supply shocks, which can cause um, you know sudden increases in costs for consumers, are just you know very unpredictable, mm. um, and they can be very significant. It Looks like the freight uh, prices have been going up pretty sharply um mm, around this so i've got a little
1: yeah well, i've got a little segment here down the bottom what's the impact what's the impact let's let's hear some stats about mm. the impact so that you can kind of get a better understanding of it <clears throat> so analysts told cnbc that 419 vessels are currently being rerouted due to the red sea situation the total container capacity is estimated at 5.65 million 20 foot equivalent units teus or containers with a total value of $282.5 billion, assuming that each uh, container is valued at $50 million. How insane is that? The 419 yeah. boats this is affecting.
0: Yeah, that's insane. It's crazy
1: that 419 boats equals $282.5 <laughs> billion. That's insane. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Five, yeah, 5 million is- capacity, 5 million containers. It's crazy. Yeah, insane. that is insane.
1: Uh, Vessel volume, here's the interesting thing, vessel volume in the Suez Canal has fallen 61% to an average of 5.8 vessels per day compared to volumes uh, before the Houthi attacks, according to logistics data firm Project 44. Egypt, who owns and operates the Suez Canal, charges between $500,000 and $600,000 per vessel transit. This is resulting in massive losses for a country that is already hurt by a declining tourism industry and soaring inflation. Jeez. I didn't know that that was the toll for, that's for a, the Suez Canal. Dude, that's, that's, that's a crazy toll. <laughs> that's huge. That I, is huge. I mean, it makes
0: sense if they're moving, you know, huge yeah. amounts of, uh, you know, trillions of dollars uh, of, uh, of of goods. Yeah, I guess it makes sense. But yeah, that's, that's pretty funny. Mm. Do you reckon they have a toll booth? You have to put coins in. <laughs> Boom date. Hang on a sec. <laughs> You're going to put like $100 note at a time. <laughs> yeah. You know, they have those buckets yeah. that you like throw coins into.
1: <laughs> yeah. Although, yeah. If you don't pay the toll, they just like the ships in the little canal. They just drain the canal. And the ships just stranded <laughs> yeah. on the canal
0: floor. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Anyway. Yeah, that's very crazy. Interesting.
0: All right, Hamish. What's next? Let's... uh Well, we've uh, we've got a bit more ETF news, but uh, in the cryptocurrency space, the Securities and Exchange Commission cleared the way for the first US ETFs that hold Bitcoin to be sold to the public. Uh, SEC Chair Gary Gensler said, I feel the most sustainable path forward is to approve the list and trading of the spot ETF, uh, Bitcoin ETF shares. Uh, There were, the story is, there were a total of 11 applications for such funds, so ETFs with uh, Bitcoin inside of them uh, being assessed by, uh, the SEC. Uh, the first was actually a, a joint venture by Cathy Woods, ARC, uh, investment management and, uh, crypto asset manager, 21 shares. Uh, and the story was, we we're waiting, uh, well, everyone was waiting for the SEC decision on the first application. So, um, uh, and essentially that first application would then kind of pave the way for the other 10 and then other kind of ETFs eventually to be listed that include Bitcoin and, uh, the SEC, uh on uh, on Wednesday uh approved um approved it. So right. there will be you can well not yet. Um well actually uh there will be some listed by the time uh this goes out. There will be some ETFs mm. that exist um where you can buy where you can buy Bitcoin. Um
1: yeah. It's pretty much uh you don't have to go and buy it through your crypto wallet. You can gain exposure directly through a Bitcoin ETF. Yep. So you can access it through
0: the stock exchange. Yep. Uh, the price of Bitcoin was up slightly on the news, uh, although it was kind of funny. Uh, it was up earlier in the week by 9% because of a hack on the SEC's Twitter account, or their X account. Uh, so there was a on Tuesday, there was a hack on the SEC Twitter account uh, that posted that the Bitcoin ETF had been approved. So before it had been approved... Someone, oh, someone wow. hacked them uh, and said that it had been approved and Bitcoin went up by 9%. So um, that's, that's why, uh, yeah, that's why this, it, the stock, I was going to say, Bitcoin didn't rise all that much actually on the news because it had already run up a little bit uh, on the right. fake news, which actually turned out to be accurate. Um, <laughs> so there you go. The hacker so the hacker, just wanted to get the news out early. <laughs> just, yeah. uh, just wanted to spread the good He's news. He's doing a solid for the crypto community. Thanks, mate. Yeah, yeah. Uh there is a there's actually a, a a fund, a Bitcoin fund called Grayscale Bitcoin Trust uh which has 29 billion dollars of Bitcoin and they're expected to convert the fund into an ETF so you can uh you can you can uh, get involved in that. Uh, BlackRock and Fidelity uh which have of course a, a number of ETF products are expected to launch their own crypto or Bitcoin yeah. related ETFs uh as well and the funds will begin trading tomorrow for us so They'll be trading by the right. time you see this.
1: I think that's the big one that people are waiting for. They're waiting for that BlackRock ETF. Yep. There's been a lot of chatter about this BlackRock Bitcoin ETF. Yep. Um, obviously, I think just because we know BlackRock is such a massive uh, company with trillions, probably like what over ten trillion dollars of assets under management. I could be wrong there, but it's around. It's around that number. Right. Um. It's huge. Actually, um, I want to um, look that up. I'm not exactly Black sure, rock, to be honest. Uh, assets under management. Nine, $9.1 trillion USD. So, yeah. yeah, it's pretty crazy. They've been waiting for that. Um, so, I can' of I see a world where this doesn't happen now.
0: Yeah. And this whole story probably plays into at least partly why Bitcoin's been doing so well recently uh, with the expectation that these ETFs will be coming and that the results will be... More demand essentially for bitcoin as as you know people buy the ETf from Blackrock and then Blackrock uses that money to to buy Bitcoin directly uh, and put it in the fund yep. so um you 'd have to imagine a large or some portion of the the recent surge in bitcoin is you know related to that Um yep. but it will be very interesting it also bodes well it also bodes well for the future because it's yes. just going to make the actual uh
1: the you know, yeah. you as an individual acquiring some Bitcoin, it's going to make that process a lot easier. You don't have to start up your own wallet or anything. It's going to make it very accessible. Yes. Um, Which you would imagine will lead to more people buying it just overall. Yeah. Um, um
0: Yeah, I think you'd yeah. probably be fair to say that part of the stock market performance, which has been incredibly good over the last 20 years, is probably at least in part related to the fact that yeah, access to ETFs for stocks has become yeah. uh, a lot easier um, and that, you know, yeah. does add, you know, consistent buying from people who may not have participated before.
1: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. All right, Hamish, moving on.
0: What have we got? We've got uh, Twitch lays off
1: more than 500 staff. This is our last Ooh. news story of the week. Um yeah Amazon is laying off about this is one interesting to you you watch a lot of Twitch what was your stat tell everyone your stat from
0: last year Oh English. no no we're not doing that we're not doing this <laughs> How many days I don't I I actually can't remember I can't remember but it was a lot it was it was really bad Um yeah I watch I a lot okay. of Twitch but uh, you know what I want I want one for YouTube as well I or, or yeah, yeah because I want to know I want to know how much YouTube do I watch I mean like part of it is yeah. kind of at job a little bit um, but I can't get away with saying that <laughs> for, for the rest of it. <laughs> no. but, uh, but that would be uh, an interesting dear. stat to, to see, like how much YouTube do you watch? Because it's probably an enormous amount when you calculate it as like a percentage of like a year. Um, it's probably mm-hmm. crazy.
1: Yeah. It, it, you, you probably wouldn't want to watch YouTube anymore after getting those stats. You'd yeah. probably be so
0: embarrassed. The, the thing with Twitch yeah. is I put it on when I go to sleep. So like yeah. it's going to, it always gets like, it gets an enormous amount. It's like six, probably six to eight hours every single day because um, yeah. I like sleeping with, like, TV on the background. You're on- yeah, but you're only awake for, like, 45 minutes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah,
1: <clears throat> yeah. Well, anyway, Hamish, back on topic. Amazon is laying off about 500 employees in its Twitch live streaming unit, um, an executive wrote in a memo to staffers on Wednesday. Twitch CEO Dan Clancy uh, said the cuts were being made in an effort to right-size our company and align its headcount with the current size of the business. This is kind of... Uh, a trend of, uh, of Andy Jassy's kind of management is kind of cutting uh, cutting down the workforce, making things a little bit more efficient, a little bit more streamlined. I think Jeff
0: Bezos was very much like, "Let's
1: grow, let's grow, let's yeah. grow, customer first, let's grow." Andy Jassy kind of pulls that back a little bit. Yeah, and
0: and, and I mean, um, live streaming is just a notoriously bad business. Like the server costs are just absolutely astronomical for allowing people to live stream for like twelve to twenty hours a day at you know. At like an eight thousand bit rate, like that's just the the amount of service space and money uh, is just insane. Which is why you see uh, the only platforms that really exist that do live streaming are owned by other companies that have deep pockets, like Amazon owns Twitch and Google owns YouTube, which has live streaming, and um, that's pretty much it. Um, Microsoft, two big ones, yeah. That's basically it. Um, It it just seems like a notoriously bad business model, (laughs) Um, right? Unless they can. Uh, generate more on the ads front, which has been a, a really tough time for for Twitch. Uh, maybe YouTube can do a better mm. job because they've been good at ads. So who knows?
1: Amazon acquired Twitch for almost $1 billion in 2014. The site is no, uh, most known as a popular um, live streaming platform for video gamers. After buying Twitch, Amazon was largely hands-off with the unit, although it has offered Prime subscribers uh, perks on the live streaming platform such as free games and in-game loot. Uh, last year, Twitch paid out, get this, Hamish, they paid out over a billion dollars to streamers.
0: Yeah, crazy. Insane.
1: Uh, they just need to rein that in, then they can pay for their stuff. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. yeah crazy, 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 crazy. It's
1: crazy. How much was, uh, do you know how much XQC made last year? Uh, I don't know. Probably I don't I don't think they're
0: money. public, their earnings. I don't think yeah. they're. Yeah. But they're, 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 these guys, well, like these
1: streamers, if you're not familiar with the world of streaming, Hamish, you know more about this than me. They yeah. are signing just monster oh, yeah. um, ad sponsorship deals. It's just unreal how much they're making.
0: Yeah, XQC signed, a, I think it was a three-year deal for $100 million um, with, a, with another platform called Kick, uh, which is, uh, and it's not even an exclusive deal. He can stream on their platform and on Twitch, um, and he still gets you know donations and other things on top of that um so yeah the the money for the top stream it's very top heavy it's 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 same as youtube it's top heavy but it's even more top heavy it's like there's like a handful mm-hmm. of streamers that just get all of the views um and yeah. they yeah some of them are making a lot of money yeah
1: pretty crazy um the layoffs represent the third round of cuts at twitch in less than a year last march twitch let go of roughly 400 staffers uh, and it cut some employees in its customer experience division last October. Amazon has undergone the largest layoffs in its history, cutting 27,000 employees since 2022. Yeah. Um, the cuts have been ongoing with Amazon announcing layoffs in its Prime Video
0: and MGM Studios uh, units on Wednesday. So mm. they're not done. Yeah. It, it's kind of funny when you talk about like, layoffs <laughs> for something like Amazon because like, 27,000 is obviously an insane figure but when you put it in perspective amazon has 1.5 million employees globally um like so do they really yeah wow. i looked it up just before I didn't know that. yeah 1.5 wow. million global employees so um so yeah they they're cutting a lot of jobs but it's uh uh in percet- in relative relative terms it's it's very small cuz they have their business is just so vast yeah
1: that is insane hamish well there you go I think that's that's everything. Yeah. So that is uh, that is the news for this week. Thank you guys very much for tuning in. Uh, we very much appreciate uh, the time that you're giving us on the podcast. We hope you're enjoying the new style in 2024. Definitely give us some feedback. Drop that stuff in the comments. Um, let us know. Even the Spotify uh, uh, question box. You can let us know what do you think of the new format. Any uh, suggestions or improvements we could make? Yep. Uh, what do you guys want to hear or see this year from the Young Investors podcast? We'd love to hear from you guys. But with that said, thanks, Hamish, for joining me. No and we'll see you guys next week. See you guys.